We're speaking with people that are sending a pulse through their industry. Pulse through their industry. If you want to be taken seriously, you have to be consistent. Have to be consistent. You got to keep the big picture that hey, we're changing the world. We're changing. The league presents Electric People. Today we're here with Richard Howell, current Boston West DM, current New England director, and uh, Richard, how long have you worked for the company now? Uh, since 2012. 2012, six years. Yeah, going on six years now. What's your badge ID? Uh, five zero one nine four. Okay, you got a five-digit one. one. You yeah. did get an early one. I got a four-digit one. Really? Four-digit? Mm-hmm. I see. I never worked. So anyway, I'm I'm a six I'm a six thousand. Hmm. Says a lot about you. Yeah, I know. I don't have one of those uh, first name dot last name emails either. It's just first initial last name. Yeah. I'm now a, that we know where everybody stands in the in the workday <laughs> work. <laughs> so so Richard, you've got over seven hundred and thirty personal installs. You're currently. Uh, number two all-time in the company, right? Something like that. So uh, it's pretty awesome stuff. So we're excited to talk with Richard today and um, kind of dive into what makes you you and, you know, what uh, makes you tick, what, what keeps you going every day, um, all that good stuff. So yeah. we're, uh, we're excited to have you. So um, I guess first thing is just to kick it off, um, what keeps you going every day? I mean, you're at 700 and something installs. What what keeps you motivated and what keeps you going every day? Um, I think that one's just my family, my wife and kids. I think a lot of the, as far as production's concerned, comes from just trying to make my wife happy, like like proud of me, I guess. Um, what do you mean by that, thing. proud of you? Like, I actually get more joy out of, like, when I know I've got a good day, you know, I sold a couple or closed a couple. Like coming home and telling my wife and kids, hey, I got a couple, and they go, oh, good job. I actually get more joy out of them, like, being proud of me and telling me good job than I do of actually, like, selling people. And does she still get excited, like, when you make a sell? I mean, you're like, honey, she's like, honey, you've said I've got one a thousand times. Like, <laughs> I can't keep getting excited for you. Like, um, do you ever feel, does she do a good job faking it, or is she just, like... It depends. Or is she still, it's... like, genuinely, like, that's awesome? Uh, I say it probably depends. Sometimes, yeah. I would say more often than not, she's like, "Oh, that's a good job." But if it's just like one or two, she's just like, "Okay." Kelly's hard to impress. Now, don't don't come at her with no one for, two. Sh- for sure. With she's like four. Belichick. Like he doesn't even make an yeah. expression change when they score a touchdown. Like she's yeah. like, "Oh, good job, Richard." Definitely. We always say in the industry though that selling fixes everything, right? So I don't sell full time anymore, but even when I go out, like you know, I'll sell once or twice a week. And I, I don't know if you're like that, but I saw that I'll come home and I'll say, hey, I sold two today. Oh, yeah. Like, I'm, oh, yeah. I'm so stoked on selling. Like, yep. for some reason, like, yeah. that squirt of dopamine that salespeople get when you sell, it always, it yeah, always there's feels nothing, good. There's nothing know? like a sell. Yeah. Right? yeah. So. Taking someone from a complete whatever no to not even knowing you're there to you're there, your best friend when you walk out. Yeah, and not even, like, really listening, <laughs> right? That's the thing is we were talking the other day to somebody about this, and uh, we're running a battery pilot right now. Okay. Um, and we're learning to sell batteries, and we're talking about what makes somebody interested and what hook can we, can we run. And I was like, well, you have to remember in door-to-door, we're talking to people that initially aren't interested at all. They right. don't want solar at all, let alone really cool solar, right? So taking someone from, like, just give me five minutes to a complete sale, it's pretty awesome. It is fun. What's your favorite part about selling? Um, the people. So part of it's that, you know, taking the challenge of taking someone from... I didn't know you were coming today and not interested at all to this sounds amazing. Thanks so much for coming by. Um, that part of it is really cool. And then just meeting interesting people. 
I mean, we get to meet all kinds of cool, interesting people. So, what's uh, is it? Is it? I I feel like sales is addicting. Mm-hmm. Is that? Is it like? Do you feel like it's an addiction for you? I think it can be. I think it's one of those things where as long as you're keeping the flow, like it's a consistently selling every day, then you want to do more and more and more. If it's like a spot check, then I feel like it's probably almost the opposite of that sometimes. It's like you need to just be like consistently selling and then that drive gets stronger and stronger and stronger and more addicting mm-hmm. in that way. I feel I feel like it is. I don't know. Like, Have you seen The Hurt Locker? Have you seen the movie The mm-hmm. Hurt Locker? I haven't seen that one. So it talks in there. There's this quote that says that war is a drug. Like people get addicted to war. Mm-hmm. And um, I... You know, with selling for me, like there is a time where it's like if the guys are outside, I just feel like I should be there. You know what I mean? Oh, like for if sure. the team's out selling, it's like I just feel like I should be there. If somebody's getting one, well, I should be the one to get one. But it's, I think it comes too from like the the camaraderie of these teams, right? There's only there's it's very esoteric. There's only certain people that know what it feels like to to take someone from not even knowing you were coming over to a sale, right? Like yeah. it's one of those things that when you have like a community of people that know what that's like. You just want to be with them, right? You want to be contributing. I would say one of the things I struggle with too, like with my current role, is some days I'm not selling. I'm doing other things. Mm-hmm. But in my mind, I'm not working. Like if I'm not out selling, I'm still, I'm like not working. Yeah. Well, you don't get to put a one on the board for yeah. banging Whatever. out a thousand emails in a day, right? Yeah. Um, you, all you get to do is go home and feel like you're not even sure if you did anything that day. Yeah. If I, if I don't get a, if I'm not out knocking or selling, just trying to get a sale, it's like, oh, I didn't really work today. Like, yeah, I had meetings all day or whatever, but I didn't, like, didn't work. Yeah, the higher up you get in leadership, the harder it is to quantify value. Yeah. I think that's why it's so important to always be adding value or else you can get lost in sure. there. So what's your current role? For the people that don't know, Richard Howe, what do you do now? Where, where does most of your time go? Um, uh, it's actually probably split pretty good between a few hats. So my, I guess I'm, I'm the director of New England, so I'm, doing, I'm helping a couple offices and doing that aspect of it, but I'm also the main DM in Boston West. And so I'm doing all the things that a DM would do. But with that as well, I also want to be one of the top salespeople in the office as well, so that I'm always leading out the front that way. And so I think it's a pretty even three hats there that I wear. And I'd say probably leans more towards the DM selling is probably where I I shift my focus when I can, just because I, for a lot of those reasons we were just talking about. Yeah. You mentioned um, earlier that uh, the more you sell, the more addicting it becomes. I, f- yeah. I feel like selling, it's almost like a muscle that you have to work out. For and sure. If you're working out every day, you don't get sore anymore. And it actually, I think, becomes more enjoyable and more addicting. Yep. If you stop working out for a month and then all of a sudden you go do squats, like you're going to be hurting the yeah. next couple days, I right? I like felt it when you said that. Yeah. Like two, <laughs> two days later. <laughs> yeah, two <laughs> days later. I lift my legs like 12 brutal. times in my life and it's hurt every time. Yes, <laughs> yep. Um, so, but then on the, on the flip side, I also think there's different reasons why, especially a leader in your role, has this, uh, you also feel a sense of obligation to go yep. sell, right? Definitely. So what, how, what percentage of the time that you go out and go selling every day is that feeling of obligation versus you're, you're in this rhythm where you're, where you're selling every day and it's become enjoyable and it's become that addicting feeling? I would say more often than not, it's probably more the obligation at this point because of the rules that I have. It doesn't necessarily allow me every single day to get out, so it's harder to build that consistent everyday flow. Um, but like we just had the bigs, I was able to kind of push a few things aside and get that everyday yeah. type stuff going again too. So once, so I actually think 
actually driving out to an area, getting out of your car when it's a sense of obligation is a lot more mentally challenging than yeah. just feeling excited and going to work every day. Agreed. Once you knock that first door though, does that change for you? Um, where all of a sudden you're like in your safe place? Yeah, the second you talk to the first person, it's like, oh, okay, cool, I'm back. Let's do this. Dude, I remember college feeling that way. Like, when I went to college, for some reason, it was the hardest thing for me to get to, like, study for finals. I hated mm. Like, I would put it off a thousand different ways. You know what I mean? I'd get stuff ready in my room, get my backpack ready or whatever. But then I always remembered, like, once I started, it wasn't that bad. And it's, like, exactly right. the same. Reset. Don't you think? It's, yeah, like, agree. Yeah, we distract sure. ourselves a thousand different ways. Oh, I got to check, make sure my inbox is at zero. Oh, I got to make sure that this uploaded. Oh, I got to make sure my concierge did this. Yep. But then once you, like, start knocking the door it's easy it's like it just takes over kind of right it's just not that bad yeah the first door is always the hardest right as yeah. soon as you start talking to someone it's like oh okay let's go yeah i i, f I feel like when i s started kind of moving up through different leadership roles i would like trick myself into thinking i was doing stuff that was like effective mm -hmm. and then in reality the most effective thing i could do was the action of just going and actually doing something right right have you had to had to make that adjustment and have you ever found yourself kind of working through that same kind of issue sure and i think it's, it i think it happens on certain days and different things where you're doing stuff for the office that you think is important but should really be done earlier or later or whatever. Like what, like what thing specifically? Uh, this is a common thing. I think a lot of people run into this, mm. especially like at, at this company, we're constantly creating new leaders. And so yeah. we promote people often for being great at selling and for bringing their friends to sell. Right, but they gotta learn but then you gotta how to manage. Yeah, then you become a leader and it's like, okay, well now you gotta run a business and do that. But they forget okay. that we're not asking them to stop selling, right? Right. So they think all That's of a sudden, they got there, yeah. yeah, they think all of a sudden, oh, this is my new job. I don't have to sell anymore. We're like, no, 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 no. Your job is to still do what you've been doing, and we're at, we're just adding additional stuff to your player. Which is actually kind of a really cool, unique thing because I don't think that's typical in business, right? Yeah, I mean, our competitors have never figured that out. I really yeah. think that's one of the things that makes us different is our leaders produce yeah right they leave from the front they, they do the same job as everybody else and then all these other things i mean from the flip side of thing you think about from what the other companies are doing it just seems silly it's like yeah let's take the guy that was a, one of the best at doing this job let's put him in a role where he's no longer doing what he was best at mm -hmm. and now you can try to it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense yeah yeah it's like taking the very best athlete on the field and then putting him in a completely different role like hey you want to be the coach yeah hey lebron <laughs> you should coach the team yeah or do you yeah. want to manage the facility yeah you're like, <laughs> I mean, like huh. Maybe that should, guy was still playing. Maybe you know? should just keep shooting. Yeah. I actually, you bring up LeBron. So one of the questions that I was thinking about asking you is, if you follow LeBron on social media, um, during the playoffs, he actually goes completely dark on social media. Oh, so I the day that. the day the playoffs start, he's, he's done with social media and he won't check it or do a single post until the playoffs are over. Um, it's just so we can completely focus on the, the playoffs, yeah. right? So the bigs just happened a couple months ago, um, and the final week of the bigs, you sold 21 ACs and closed 18 welcome calls in a week. The, um, something like that. 20, I think it was 20 and 18 from the Monday to Saturday. 20 and 18 from Monday to Saturday. Do you, is there, like LeBron, when you, when you know you have a week like that coming, yeah. 
are there certain things that you either abstain from or you just completely change your routine to have a week like that? For sure. And I don't think you can have a week like that if you don't prepare for it. Like that week I prepared for and got ready for, for a couple of weeks ahead of time. Um, but as far as the actual, how did, week, how did you how did you prepare for it a couple weeks ahead of time? Sorry, and I know that it's, <laughs> it's la- we're if you don't if you can't tell <laughs> no, we're in the warehouse we're in a yeah. warehouse we're in an actual solar warehouse we're on the ground floor right now. Uh, yeah this is where the magic <laughs> happens back here so amidst uh, solar panels and inverters and you're gonna heaters strewn about yeah you're gonna hear some garage doors going up and down so anyway so you said a week like that doesn't happen how do you prepare for that something like that. Um, so a number of things, but one, just setting aside, getting everything off your schedule, that's not important. So if you're doing, if you have a week like that, it, it takes time. Um, and so you need to make sure that you're out every day, all day, because you need to be, otherwise that's not gonna happen, at least not for me without a lot of time. So what um, are things that you eliminate? Like how do you, picking what's important is probably difficult, especially in your role, right? Sure. You oversee multiple offices, have an office for which you're a leader, and then you have a territory that you sell in. So what's your process like to remove unimportant things? Um, well, the first thing I just open my calendar and start looking at stuff that's there, mm-hmm. and then just process eliminations. Hey, can I? Do I have to do that? Um, I was actually trying to think of a book I was just reading about it, but um, if I can, if someone can do it as good as me, I'll be like, hey, I'll try to delegate it if I can. Yeah. Um, if I have to do it myself, I will. If it's not important, I'll push it back to a different week or later on. And yeah, I, just I heard a quote by Zuckerberg that says if somebody can do it 80% as good as you, you should have them do it delegated. or something like that. Yeah. yeah. So I try to do that if there's anything like that for sure. Um, and then it's just making the decision, uh, getting my wife on board with a decision. She was just as game to, you know, get me out of the doors early and all that the whole time because she understood what we were trying to do. How does that conversation go with Kelly when you're basically saying, hey, just plan on not seeing me next week? Yeah, pretty much just like that. <laughs> um, I just we we well, you she, have to soft seed it like a couple of weeks. Yeah, before, do you like, like start laying some groundwork like sure. two weeks before that? Kind well, of like, the, hey, the it's bigs. Where it's getting really it's getting really busy. It's so for me, can, um, I include my wife on in all of that stuff. So as soon as we know what's happening with the bigs, like I'll be like, hey, check this out. This is the competition we're doing. I think we have a shot. Let me show you the schedule. So I'll sh- I'll send her the schedule so she can see when the matchups are. I'll go through the prizes with her and be like, here's what we can win and all that stuff. So you get the family on board? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, and then that way it's when it comes time, if I go, hey, this is a week, I gotta go. And she's like, cool, let's do it. So when we were down in New York last week, um, Richard won a VIP um, uh, incentive and uh, my wife, his wife, and Richard and I uh, went down there and um, I was talking to Kelly at, at breakfast or lunch one day and she was talking about how she actually helped you during the bigs. So what, what, how was she helping you? Um, so one of my uh, things when I'm out, like putting the full days in, I won't stop. I mean, so I won't eat, I won't What's do any What's a full day, what, what time do you start? Like a nine to nine. Oh wow. Yeah. Um, so if I'm putting in like a day like that, I won't stop and eat. Most Saturdays I won't ever stop eating either. So I think it's just a waste of momentum. Do you um, actually, do you ever take like a quick five minute break in your car to like regroup or are you no, just, I'm just going customer, so customer, 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 bell to bell. Yeah. Um, but so she knows that and so she knows that I won't stop and eat and she also knows that since I don't I usually get like a wall around like five or six a little bit. So Where like blood sugar starts. To yeah. It's kind of like I got a granola bar in here or something. Um, she drives by she's like he's not looking good fill him up. So she'll actually, she actually brought me lunch uh, probably four or five times during that week. 
wow. where she called me and said, hey, I'm here. Where are you? Like she knew what town I was in. She's like, where are you? I'm like, I'm over here. She's like, turn around, meet me here, and come sit in my, and I sit in the car with her, and we ate, and I ate lunch. She's like, I haven't seen you for a while. You're yeah. looking good. <laughs> Here's a sandwich. Now, is it Eat like that. a NASCAR, like, pulling in for a pit stop <laughs> where, like, the wheels come off, new wheel on, like, she's getting you back out as fast as possible kind of thing? Or uh, I mean, I, I would say lunch break was less than 20, 30 minutes at the most is the longest okay. that would last, yeah. So That's just awesome. long enough to eat and chat and say hi to the kids. and. Oh, she brings the kids it. with her? Uh-huh, usually. Wow, I feel man. like Richard's almost like a cyborg. Like, he, like she has, like, a needle. She injects him with something, and then he just keeps going. <laughs> yeah. you know? That'd be cool. Yeah, you're talking like this is really normal. That's the thing, like, in my head and, like, thinking about coming to talk to you today is you've, you've done this for six years, mm-hmm. right? And you've been a consistent high producer for six years. I mean, you're on the leaderboards every single quarter, yeah. right? And and you're the second highest installer uh, in the company, but it's it's 730, I mean, plus sure. accounts. I'm really interested in, uh, you know, a lot of people would say, oh, I'd burn out, or oh, I can't do that, or I can't focus, or I'd go crazy. Yeah. And then maybe it just seems normal to you, but I'm really interested in how you, how you hold yourself to that standard. What is it that makes you tick? Like, are you trying to hit a certain goal? Are you trying to build something? Is it the kind of thing where you're not going to be happy with yourself if you're not maximizing your potential? Because the second highest installer vault, it pays really good. It's not like sure. you need the money associated with that, right. right? So I'm interested in, you know, there's a lot of people that are listening to this that are just starting in our business right now. Yeah. How do they obtain that mindset? What are you focusing on? What, what makes you do that? Um, let's see. I, I think, first off, I for me, I feel like I've, not doing what I'm not living up to what I can do like I feel like I could do much more than what I've done and so I think always having that like not being satisfied um, with whatever regardless of what that is Um, part of it is goal setting and knowing that as far as how you get that mentality um, I think one thing I've tried to do is I have a a baseline of what's acceptable for me as far as numbers or income or what Uh, all the above Um, income for sure numbers for sure um, and that, is that an arbitrary number that you just said, okay, you know what, I feel good about this amount every year? For income, yeah. Okay. Um, like for income, like I never want to be less than half. Um, but as far as... Less num- than half. Half a million a okay. year. Like I would never want to be less than that. Um, so so I that's make your sure, floor. That's like my floor. 500 grand a year. Which is crazy. It right? is crazy. But it's, it's crazy. But, that but that's what like, I'm interested in. Like, like I want to understand this. So. Which I think in this job, which what's crazy is, I don't. why should you have a floor lower than that? I mean, it's not, I mean, it's hard, but it's not like, it's not insane. It's not impossible. Um, I think for a new person, it's just a matter of putting in time. I think that um, a lot of the people I see coming in just aren't putting in enough time. Like when I first started in San Diego, actually, like the idea of working five days a week was not like a thought at all. That was completely foreign. Like it was six days a week, every week, regardless. And if I wasn't on the doors by noon, like what was I doing that day? Like I was not doing what I should be doing. And so I think, you know, six, seven, eight hours a day treating the job like an actual job, right? Um, is probably the first and foremost the key for a new person. Because then you start to build that momentum because once you have momentum on your side, it gets really pretty easy. It's the hardest thing is when you're like trying to push something and then you stop. And then you kind of push and then you stop. Like that's exhausting. Like lifting legs the way I've done it. Lifting legs. Well, like, so I used to actually uh, swim in high school. Mm -hmm. And uh, 
So I was, I was a pretty good swimmer. And then I remember we went to like a scout camp at one point and we did the mile swim, but we had to do it in the pool. And whoever the leader was, they thought they'd be like, make it harder for us. And you couldn't push off the wall. So you'd swim 25, you know, not even that, like 15, 20 yards, touch the wall, and then you'd have to stop completely. Can't push off the wall and start swimming from a dead stop to the other end. This man and is a monster. And then you stop, and then you turn around, and you had to do the well, same if thing. You're out swimming in a lake, you don't get to push off a wall every every fifteen feet. Yep. Right? You also yeah, you have, have to, to stop your momentum. Around, right? It's also true. <laughs> yeah. So it's like it was. This be a guy's tactic. It made able to push off every other time. Yeah. yeah it made like the that. mile be like a two and a half mile swim mm -hmm. as far as just how you felt about it because you were never able to build momentum. And he's in his hoodie eating like a fast break. Yeah. Hey. Hey, just enjoy, just enjoying life. He's on the fast break, right? That's Adam's drug else. of choice. It is that and white monster. Yeah, but, but I feel like we didn't sell too. for your wife in case she's listening. Yes, <laughs> we're, we're, yeah. he's well, off. I've never drink. seen him have one. It's yeah. weird. Yeah, it's gone now. I so there's. I think a lot of our best people, they make so many parts of this job look easy, right? Mm -hmm. And um, something that I'm interested in with you is. Um, I've never actually shadowed you on a sell and watched you sell. You should do that. Um, I know, I should do that. I need to do that, actually. Um, what are the things during a, sell pro a sales process, whether it's the door approach, whether it's your body language, um, you know, transitions, what are the things that you know you make look really easy that to the the layman's eye, they'd be watching you and they'd be like, oh, this is a laydown. Richard's just, Richard just sold a laydown. Why don't I ever get sure. any laydown sales? And you're like, no, no, no. I overcame like 15 things without you even, without you even realizing that I was overcoming them. Sure. Um, I mean, when I'm on like my game, I'd probably say all of it, right? looks that way. Um, I would say probably the main thing that I can do, I've been you know, blessed to be able to do with ease is conversation with people to where I can get someone who's like, no, I hate solar, go away. And then we leave like almost giving a bro hug, even if he doesn't do, even if he doesn't do it. Um, to where a guy's kind of like, wait, how, how, wait, how do we just get inside? Like, how did you just bro hug a non-bro hugger? Didn't, didn't, he just, didn't he just say <laughs> no like eight times? Yeah. And I'm like, well, yeah, but so? So I think conversation's probably one of those things. And that's probably something that new people struggle with too. So what do you do when somebody, you, you start at the door and somebody's like, hey, I'm not really interested. Like, they just cut you off. Like, yeah. you just do what? Well, it's you Boston, do. so they don't say I'm not interested. They say I'm all set. I know the thing about being oh, all geez. set. Dude, don't I'm say all set. That's like a curse word out here for us to use. But um, I, I just keep talking. That's, I think, the main gist of it all is you just have to keep them talking. So when someone says I'm all set, you know, the first time you hear it, you go, ah, no worries. Um, like I said, my job's super simple, and you just kind of go with it. And if they bring it up again, maybe you talk about it, you ask other questions. Um, if someone brings up like a, a hard no multiple times, I'll usually jump to some type of an extreme question where I'm like, wait a minute, hold on a second. Are you telling me you hate solar? Like, do you really hate it? And most people would be like, well, no, I don't hate solar. The, I, what, what, like, I, I don't like it because... That's what I'm trying yeah, to say. I'm trying to say I want you to get out of my, my door. door. Uh, or whatever it is, right? And so you... It's that's, just, a good, that's a good tactic. I never thought about that. So you send them like a shocking question where you're like, level with that's me. Like your, yeah. That's your Hail Mary. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's like my Hail Mary, yeah. So I think, I think the difference between... So some, someone that might be new to, to especially direct sales, they hear something like that. And that's an easy tactic to do, right? Sure. It's an easy thing to just all of a sudden hit them with the hard, you know, what, you don't like solar. Yeah. But that can be very confrontational unless you use it 
at the right time, right? So I think maybe that's the difference is you kind of just ignore, keep going, ignore, keep going, ignore, keep going. Yeah, that's, that's like your, that's fifth, your sixth, seventh time. Yeah. Then you're kind of like, hold on a second. Are you really telling me that you just hate solar? And you're smiling, r- and you're easy to talk mm-hmm. to, and you're confident. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Not like, what's up, bro? You hate solar? Yeah. Like, yeah. 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 You don't want to do that. Don't do that. <laughs> or like <laughs> the, yeah. the, the knee jerk reaction of every new rep, right? Yeah, I'm all set. All set with what? Oh, I didn't even. I and you're yeah. like, oh, that never works, does it? I'm not interested. <laughs> not interested in what? Yeah. Yeah. You think that work for you? No, maybe maybe you shouldn't do that. Yeah. Maybe we should get a new strategy. Yeah. I wanted to just um, kind of go back to one thing you were talking about earlier when you were talking about what drives you. Yeah. Do you feel like there's um, anything from like your childhood to teenage years to personal life that has given you this like sort of chip on your shoulder of that, like never feeling satisfied with where you're at? Um, a chip on my like, shoulder. Is it just like most people don't just wake up and be like, oh, I'm going to be the number two solar guy of all time. You know what yeah. I mean? And it's annoying that I'm not the number one. Yeah. But yeah. Dave Madsen's pretty good. So. He's, yeah. He's not. <laughs> yeah. You're, I wouldn't call you second fiddle to Dave. I would yeah. say anywhere I'm, else. Hey, I've played second fiddle to Dave, though, in sales, and it's a role that I'm so proud to take. I'm proud to take. I, once, I made the mistake one time to tell Dave that I was still ahead of him on kilowatts. I didn't last very long. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was like, hey, by the way, do you know I'm still beating you in this? And he goes, oh, I, just, I didn't know that. That's good to know. The quarter, good to know. <laughs> the quarter that Dave set his record for installs in the quarter, I had my best install quarter. Yeah. So I installed 70 that quarter. Which is insane. Well, yeah, it's insane, but Dave beat me by, what, 57 installs? Yeah. I mean, he did 117. <laughs> Between the two of us, we almost did 200 counts. You're like, hey, I was kind of good, too, guys. I don't know you guys But it's like notice. it's like the guy that gets second place to Usain Bolt. It's like, there he is up there, like, in his car yeah. getting a drink, and I'm still coming across the finish line. But yeah. anyway, it's true. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Anything that, that something gives you that unquenchable, like, desire to, to keep going and, and be a top performer? Um, I think I was always instilled with hard work and just, you know, try to be the best for whatever you do. Um, I would say the way I've always described myself, like in high school, I played a bunch of sports and whatnot, is I was always um, like above average, but never like necessarily the best at everything. But I was always better than maybe most people, but not the best. Um, and I, I wanted to take probably that same drive and just like, I just liked, I like to win. I hate losing. And that's something I've had since I was little. I was a kid that flipped the board game and face got all red, like that was me. Um, and I found that my littlest son is now doing that. I'm like, cool, maybe me, me. It's that for me. It's that for me. <laughs> Don't flip the board game. Yeah. He's like, he's like, I won, wait a minute. Um, so I think that's some, some of that stuff I've had just for a long time. You think that's something your parents consciously tried to like emulate in the house or anything? Or Yeah, I think so. I mean, like my mom was a super competitive, um, especially with sports. It's like, she wouldn't like let me win with anything. Like my mom, I actually played a lot of racquetball. My mom taught me how to play racquetball, and like she would try to beat me up until I was. Like, she'd always You're try like to beat me. Welts on your back from oh, your yeah. mom. Oh like, yeah. If I was in the way, she'd hit. Like we played basketball, and like she'd once like back me down. She'd just back me down and like knock me. I was like seven, and she'd just be like, coming at it. Like you come home from so school, she, and she's got like, her sweatband on, and she's ready to take it yeah. to you. <laughs> so that, I mean, I think there's some like non, just like hey, you just give it everything you got, regardless. Yeah, one of my one of the mentors that I worked with in security, um, when he would recruit, he would always say that the thing he loved about this job is it's something that grown men and women can put their heart into. Like there's so yeah. few, like 
there's so few competitive arenas now. For, we don't have right. You don't have all sports, that stuff. Right? Yeah, that you can just go hard at. Unless you're Jason Delstra, who always finds some <laughs> intramural team to go hard at. Um, but the uh, <laughs> you don't true. have something like that, right? And you're not right. going to be in like the NBA at this point. And so sure. this is something like you mentioned the bigs. For those that don't know, the bigs is our big sales contest. It's our big yearly contest. Yeah. And that's something that you can look at and be like, I think I can win. Yeah. Right. And so many jobs, man, you just don't have that. Anything you don't like have the annual competition that you can get your family on board and say, hey, just so you know, here's the prizes. This is what we're doing, yeah. And I'm going to really, like, extract the best of myself for this. And we only lost once, by the way, and it was in the finals, I'm just saying. We did pretty good. Yeah, you but you lost. No, we did. We did. <laughs> and, to and to Bakersfield, they, they suck. But they well, brought actually, it. They yeah, really it's really good. cool to see that. Like, I'm, I'm grateful that we, we have a community of salespeople that care, right? That, like, yeah. actually will compete with you. Kind of like your mom did. Like, your mom didn't yeah. let you win, mm -hmm. right? And that, that drew the best out of you. Yep. We should we should do like a like a Mrs. Howell versus Richard basketball game now. You think she could take you? Uh, <laughs> she's mean. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> she no, would I'm she laughing. would she would have still been able to take me for sure. Uh oh. I'm laughing because she's passed she passed away. Uh. Now you feel really dumb. Yeah, it's one of those things. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah. My dad passed away. It's not it's not but how long ago did your mom pass away by the way? Uh, 12 years. 12 years. So this is actually one of the cool stories with Richard. Uh, I, well, I, cool, I don't know if it's cool but it's interesting. Um, so he gets, he's in the, he goes on his Mormon mission. Mm -hmm. He's in the MTC. You'd been in the missionary training center for how long? Halfway through, so about six weeks. About six weeks. Gets called into the office and is told your mom's passed away, mm -hmm. right? Um, so it was so, an all of a sudden thing? Mm -hmm. wow. So walk us through, walk us through, I guess, um, the feeling of, <clears throat> uh, I know when, like, when my dad passed away, like I can remember exactly where I was. I was on Bangor Highway in Utah, like heading uh, north, or, uh, yeah, north, and my older brother calls me, and I just remember like putting on my blinker, turning right, and just like heading toward my dad's house, right? Um, so walk us through kind of what happened and just, you know, your what was going through your head. Sure. Um, I feel bad about the basketball comment. Okay. This is how it's not going to be competing a good, anymore. Hey, someday you'll <laughs> play basketball with your mom again. But yeah, that's right. <laughs> the records show that I feel really bad. I'm actually really interested in this story. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so that night, it was actually a Wednesday, and it was a, or Tuesday. It was a de devotional night, so we just got done, like, hearing some people speak. And then we were back in a uh, room just talking about the stuff that people were saying. And then they come over the speaker and they're like, hey, can El you know, Elder Howell come to the president's office? And at first I'm just thinking like, did I do something I wasn't supposed you to? You forgot to take, <laughs> take a quick inventory <laughs> like, of where you've been. What did I mess up here? What happened? Yeah. And then um, I, as, I, as soon as I walked into the office, I knew something was wrong. Because he, he said to me, he's like, hey, your dad's on the phone for you. And then I, I first, I, had a, I knew right away that something had happened to my mom. Um, and then he, you know, he told me, um, and as, as you, I mean, emotions, as you might imagine, were running free for sure. Um, at the time, you know, it was, I mean, we didn't know. My mom had a, it was a pulmonary embolism, which is uh, a blood clot in your lungs, essentially. It's one of those things that can just happen like that. Hmm. You know, you're here, and then one minute you're not. And so that's, that's what happened. Um, and so I wanted to be able to go home. I, I only went home for essentially 24 hours. Um, just long enough to, I got there the night, like just an hour or two before the viewing the night before, 
and then I was there for the funeral in the morning. I was with my family for a few hours, and then I went back um, to the MTC, back to my mission. As far, it, it, I think for me, I actually probably had it necessarily been my choice, I probably would have stayed a few more days, um, just because I think it's really important for the grieving process to, for it to feel real. Because I would say for me, it actually didn't really feel fully real until I actually got back home. Because when I was on my mission, I didn't see anybody anyways. So, and so, so two yeah. years later, you two come years later. home and you're like, Oh yeah, I'm walking through my on. house with my, that had changed because my dad actually gotten remarried already. Um, it was, yeah, it hit, a, it hit Jeez. like, it hit, you hit. came back to a whole new life. Yeah, it was very different. I, uh, one of the reasons I probably chose to, uh, in my mission at some point, I transferred from ASU to BYU. And I just was like, hey, cool. So that means I don't have to live at home with this random person I don't know. But, but yeah, no, I think, um, you know, a lot of the things that my parents instilled, especially my mom, is what helped me just go right back and get back to work. And a lot of times when you're focusing on the things that you're supposed to be focusing on, I feel like you get a lot of help and all the other stuff. So, um, I know a lot of people know this, but um, I'm assuming a lot of people don't. Um, your oldest son uh, has autism, right? Uh-huh. So I think I think a lot of times, our, especially our reps that are struggling or new reps, they see guys like you and they see guys like Dave or Mike Brand or you know even like Don Gomez here in Boston is doing really well right now, and they and they just don't think that they're that you guys deal with the same amount of adversity as sure. they might be dealing with, um, which is definitely not true, right? right? And I know that money can solve a lot of uh, issues for people, um, but you deal with a different set of a, a different set of problems, a different set of adversity. So, um, you know, you've got you know obviously your son that you and your wife uh, you know are working with, and um, you know you've had to overcome you know death of a parent. Mm. Um, how do you deal with that adversity emotionally, and how do you balance those emotions when your wife calls you, she's having a really hard day, and um, it's five o'clock, and you know that you haven't sold an account yet? Sure. How do you not, uh, or how do you, I guess, how do you handle that emotionally and just mentally? Um, I say it's an, always an ongoing challenge, right? But I, it's one thing I try to do is you know wherever you are, be where you are. So when I'm with my family, be with my family. If I'm working, working. Um, but one of the coolest things about this job is it affords us the flexibility to take care of the most important things when they are the most important, right? And so if I'm out selling, even if it's 5 o'clock and I haven't gotten one, if, if my wife calls me and really does need me at home, I have the flexibility of being like, hey, I need to go home. I'm going to take care of my family because they're more important to me than anything else. But then I do know that tomorrow I'll, make, I'll get a little early and I'll make up for whatever I missed the day before. Um, and so I think just, I, that's probably one of the things I like a lot of actually about this job, side note, is just the, the flexibility that it provides for us to be the best versions of ourselves and still take care of our families and accomplish our goals, right? So how do you, how do you manage like the mind game, right? Because it does give us that opportunity, but I feel like, uh, you know, we consult a lot of different salespeople. I mean, there's yeah. over, I mean, there's like 1,500 active sellers right now. and. I think determining what's important and what's not at five o'clock, especially if you've had a hard day, is really difficult. So do you guys, yeah. do you guys have certain rules? Me and my wife have a rule, for example, where um, it's a three-call rule, where if she calls me three times, it's an emergency, and I'll, I'll lose a sale or I'll walk out of a recruiting interview to take that call. Sure. And it's happened a couple times where I've gotten that call and I'm like, this is not an emergency, right? Like, sure. I think of one time I was out selling for the summer, and um, I was in Boston and she was in Utah. 
and our house flooded, which would be an emergency, but I can't do anything about that from 2,000 miles away. Right? right. So how do you guys balance like the things that are like, oh, I need to be home? How do you make those decisions? Or is there like a, a template that you use beforehand so you don't have to make the decision in the heat of the moment? Like, how do you do that? Oh, that call is kind of cool, actually. But um, one of the I, things... I don't know why we haven't switched it to a text, because having to go through, like, <laughs> yeah. an emergency, <laughs> that's a ring 12 rings. times, hang up, ring 12 times. Time. Yeah, <laughs> that is true. That takes a while. Um, it's lost in text land, though. Anyway. One of the things we do um, beforehand is we have a shared calendar. So she knows what my day is. I know what her day is. And so it helps uh, our expectations. And so if she is having a tough day, she knows that if I have an appointment here, that I'll be home at what time. And uh, mind, mentally, she can prepare. Oh, that's really um, good. And so that, that helps um, a lot. And then I think we Which actually... forces you to be pretty organized and calendar your day, yep, right? Yep, definitely. Um, and then we actually, when I set goals, we set them typically together. So at the beginning of every quarter, we decide what we want to accomplish. And then she's in it just as much as I'm in it. As far as like office just, volume, uh, and all, the, all volume. the above, yeah. Oh, really? Uh -huh. Does she know how you get paid? Like, oh, yeah. Does she know your pay scale as well as you know your pay scale? Or, I mean, she Maybe not. have a, a really good idea how it works. She's known it really well in the past. I don't know if she knows the newest one with the sun hours and stuff quite as well. Um, but She's uh, like running calculations. Uh, like, uh, yeah. <laughs> she's out there with the sun eye on the roof. <laughs> I mean, for you said this was a thousand some hours. I mean, she used to, yeah. I mean, she used to log into Mercury every day and see where I was, what I was doing. So she, she'd she'd know what I have oh, before cool. I got home, but um, doesn't do it quite as much anymore. But yeah, she she's she knows whether to prepare to give you a hug or a high five when you come home. Yeah, right. <laughs> Based on the leaderboard, she's like, oh, that didn't look so good today. Um, yeah, no. She, so I think a lot of what helps with that stuff is just being in it together and uh, wanting to accomplish the same goal because it's not my goal; it's our goal. And she wants to accomplish it just as much as I want to. So I want to I want to switch gears a little bit and end with some kind of quick hit, uh, kind of fun questions that okay. w that'll just help us get to know you a little bit more. Um, so uh, don't think about it. Just first thing that comes to your mind, just uh, answer us, and, and uh, we'll see where it takes us. So like this see is the this. man you really are. We'll so see this is going to be really interesting. Are. Okay. <laughs> so first question is: You're driving out to your area every day. What's the, if, if you know, you're like, I have to make a sale today. Sure. What is the pump up song you're listening to on the way out to turf? Oh, I don't know if I have one. I'm actually, if I know I have to make a sale, I typically turn my radio off. Because otherwise I'm singing along and I'm not thinking about it. So you're just driving in silence. If I like, if I'm like game face is on, like my radio's off. So I'm just, I'm just thinking yeah. about what I'm doing, where I'm going, who I'm talking to, what I'm going to say. What's your song? Uh, you know what? It's funny. Well, I'm feeling like Party in the USA. Like, <laughs> yeah, I like Miley. <laughs> Little Miley Cyrus. Yeah, Miley's all right. <laughs> um, I I tend to go like, you know, I'm like that meme where it's like the white guy in the car listening to rap music. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, this is me talking about, you know, things that. So you're like eight mile songs. soundtrack. Yeah, I mean stuff like that. Yeah, but uh, but I actually spend most. I actually in my car. Uh, there's this like upgraded stereo in the car. There's like this big upgraded stereo. And anyone that's ever ridden with me knows I listen 90% of the time I'm in my car, it's just sports talk radio. So I'm like pretty much all sports talk radio all the time. Or also, if I'm driving at night, a lot of times I'll drive for like two hours just in silence and just not listen to anything. I, that's funny that he's that you both said that because I would probably opt silence too. Like I like music a lot and I like a lot of audio and I listen to a lot of podcasts and books. But if I really have to focus, yeah. I sound like a hippie, but I'll like breathe and do it in silence. Like I, I don't want, I don't want any like 
energy from the music in my head. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's interesting. I wonder how many I get distracted top performers otherwise stuff. do that. Mm-hmm. Just have nothing on the radio. Interesting. Um, I wanted to ask you what you walk up to a door what are you thinking about as you're going up to a door to like be mentally prepared for them to answer or do you think about anything or are you just looking at you know your app on your phone or like what's go what what's the mental preparation you have walking up to a door um when i'm in like that mindset of like i'm getting i'm getting business done today um when i walk up to the door i'm telling myself i've already sold the house that's what so, you say mentally to yourself yeah. so i'm like oh john yeah john's getting installed in a couple months that's cool. And so when John answers the door, I'm like, what's up, John? I'm here to put solar on your house. You know, it's like that. I have that type of, you can kind of make yourself have that type of a confidence. Richard's just out collecting signatures as a formality. <laughs> <laughs> hey, before your install, I forgot to get this form done. Sorry. In my head, we've already done this. <laughs> Which, you know, if you can legit do that, like, I, like a lot of times, if you're having a tough day, you know, people are, you know, running you over, whatever, and all of a sudden you just stop and look at the house and you go, okay, you know, John, John's getting solar. You'll sell that house nine out of ten times. Do you say that to reps you're knocking with? Um, I have before, yeah. That's not, do you ever do that? Like, that sounds like the kind of thing, like, when I'm, like, what's in my head will come out to a new rep. So, like, a lot of times I'll be like, uh, yeah, stuff like that. Like, hey, this guy doesn't even know it, but his life's about to change. Kind of joking, yep. and then you knock the door, but it's interesting that to know that that's in your head. Yeah, yeah it's always kind of fun to call your shot. Yeah. Especially to a new rep. call it right? Babe Ruthing, right? Yep. Like, which yep. house do you want me to sell? Yep. That one. Yep. And a lot of times you do because you know you're much more invested in it. You're more focused. You're. Well, you talked about the the affirmations or the uh, incantations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you have any things that you say to yourself? Like uh, a lot of like the seasoned guys that have been through Brian Tracy's like psychology of selling. Mm-hmm. I'll admit, dude, I probably told myself I love myself and I love my job a million times. Like yeah. it's literally pulled me out of things. Do you have anything that you say to yourself to keep you calm, to keep you in the game? Any like howl affirmations that, that you consciously or subconsciously say to yourself? Um, not a ton actually. I probably should try that stuff more. Well, I think you probably. Uh, I probably with, with do the some last of thing it. That you just like said, that last like one. Pop- yeah, that's that's kind of one, um, I guess. And then, you know, sometimes, uh, just for my, if I'm like feel like I can't sell that day, because I'll you know I'll go through times where I'm like, freak, can I still do this job? Like. You know, it's been a while, like, can I still sell people? You think that? That happens, yeah, for sure. It's crazy. Um, and then you talk to your first person, a lot of times that goes away, but like, sometimes I'll have that thought, and then I'll just be like, you know what, you're freaking Richard Howell, let's go. And like, and then we'll try to. Dude, I have a, I don't know if you have any, but I have a couple. Uh, <clears throat> one of my theories, personally, of like just knowing myself, nothing stresses me out more than not having enough time. But the inverse sure. is true, nothing calms me down more than having time. So a lot of times if it's like 7.30 and I haven't sold one yet, or it's end of the quarter or something like that, mm-hmm. I'll just tell myself, you still got time. Still yeah. got time. Still got time. The other thing I'll always say is selling's easy. It's really easy. Like when you it, think about it, you just go tell them. You just talk to people. And you go do it, right? But yeah. we get in our head and so selling's easy and still got time. What do you, what do you got? So, oh, for what do I say to yeah. myself? I have right before, when I hear them coming down the stairs, as the door's opening, um, and I actually got this from a golf magazine when I was like 10. I remember reading like a Jack Nicholas article. Just like and on some personal development stuff just, when you're 10? Yeah, well just that's like, a, that I was- That sounds like maybe bathroom <laughs> material. He's sitting there reading. I was reading my, one of my dad's <laughs> golf magazines, right? And um, and this uh, Jack Nicholas, right before he putts, the last thing he says to himself right before he starts his putting stroke is he just says, make it. And then he starts his putting stroke. 
So ever since I read that, um, when I started selling, right when I hear them opening the door, in my head I always just say, sell it. Oh. And then I start my door, and then I start the end of the door approach. So hmm. that's That's awesome. That's cool. Um, so you mentioned this earlier, uh, one of my guilty pleasures is uh, Reese's Fast Breaks. It's to a point where I like hide the wrappers from in my car because <laughs> I don't want my wife to, my wife, you know, is this big like health guru. Yeah, if you guys haven't seen Adam's wife, she's literally like chiseled from stone right now. There's yeah. not like, there's no guilty pleasure foods entering that her, body. <laughs> I'm the opposite of her, right? So yeah. in that regard, so like her discipline with eating and food is like just at a different level. So for me anyway, I'll eat a Reese's fast break. Like I'll get home and I'm in my garage. I check my back seats, make sure there's no candy wrappers back there. Uh, you know, white monster. Yeah. And I'll like go out to my garage, my, my Put in the neighbor's trash can. Yeah, like, go out of my <laughs> trash can and I'm like burying it under like three bags of trash to make sure there's no way she ever sees the fast break wrapper, right? That's funny. So do you have any like sort of guilty pleasures that maybe Kelly doesn't know about. Uh, that when you come home, you're like, man, I gotta make sure that she doesn't, uh, you know, find out I'm, you know, eating cupcakes on the way home, or, or like, say you just have a big day, and you're like, I'm gonna treat myself. What's the what's the thing that you treat yourself with? Uh, shoot, I don't know if there really is anything. Because uh, I, like I said, like when I'm out, like when I'm out selling and stuff, I don't stop at like a gas station ever. I don't do those. I don't do any of those runs. Um, it's like I decided ten years ago I will not have guilty. No, he just I still decided eat, I still that he's eat. not a seventeen-year-old. Yeah. I still eat, I still eat junk. Actually, like I'll still eat stuff. He doesn't want to waste eight dollars a day on candy. Sometimes uh, one of the things I really like to do, I um, I actually enjoy playing racquetball quite a bit. Um, and sometimes, like my wife's like, you need to do this or that. So sometimes I'll have my bag in my trunk. And I'll take like a two-hour break to go play. I'll shower and change, and then go out and work, there and then come is. back there home. You found it. There so you go. sometimes that'll happen. It's She's probably like, like how my are you getting so good at racquetball? <laughs> Weird. <laughs> I'm just good at it. All right, last funny question, okay. and then uh, we want to ask uh, our last question that we'll end with is just we want to hear your advice for for new reps. But okay. before we get into that. Um, I want to, you know, I only know kind of like the squeaky clean Richard Howe, like, you know, you're, you know, this model, you know, husband, father, sales leader, salesman. Uh, I want to hear the darks, the dark past of Richard Howe. What's the, what's the most trouble you've ever gotten into? Um, you know, like I got caught stealing baseball cards when I was 13 and I got tackled by a bagger. Uh, that's Al- an aggressive. That's Albert. pretty aggressive. Yeah. Albertsons. Well, I was. Yeah, like baggers are apathetic now. They don't. You yeah, know, like, this bagger, you're stealing, that's fine. This bagger was like a former like high school like free safety. He's been waiting and for he that. Literally, yes. And he capitalized. Oh, I got. It was bad. I got arrested. <laughs> anyway, so let's hear. Let's hear the Richard Howell uh, mischief. Okay. Uh, I've never been arrested, so no cops just tell the story. Not yeah. Yet. So yeah. there. So there yeah. you were. So <laughs> there I am. Um, there I was. Uh, Oh, one of the ones, this one got my mom livid. So my mom was a uh, choir teacher, but she also was the drama teacher one year. And so I don't know what play they were doing, but there was a prop gun that was on the counter or somewhere. And I was uh, seven or eight, I think, maybe. And you shouldn't play with guns, right? Rule one number one. And so <laughs> I grabbed this prop gun, and like I'm playing with it. I end up cocking it back, and I don't know how to like uncock it. And so it I, sounds like a very real prop gun. <laughs> and so I just I shot it in the house, and then I just remember 
my mom coming around the corner, and I thought I was a dead man, like for sure. Like shoots blanks or something? Yeah, it was like blanks, like a, a real like, a, gun? like a prop gun. It was a prop gun. I but almost think that's it probably more your mom's fault than yours. For having it there. What seventh grader <laughs> or what seven-year-old's not pulling that trigger? My takeaway is if that's the worst my kid ever does, I'm gonna be really yeah. happy. I'm trying. There's probably there's probably lots of things. Uh, <laughs> I yeah, there's lots of different things as far as that stuff goes. One time I was playing with fire. I liked to play with fire as a little kid. I, I was either way. I was curious if uh, um, you could pour gasoline on top of water and it would still light. So I was experimenting, and so but I should have experimented in a smaller fashion. So I ended up taking a big like gallon of gasoline and I poured it down. We had this irrigation thing in the back, like a big like and ten by ten square. This is way than the prop gun story, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so I, I pour enough gasoline to where I could see it on a layer on the top, and then I just drop a match. I was like. Poof. Um, and then I'm like, this got out of control from my eight-year-old mind. And so I run back to my house, get a hose, throw it over my fence, and I'm like hosing it down. And I remember because one of my neighbors saw me hosing it down, they didn't see me lighting it. And so like she like was like all proud of me. I don't have a story like that, but yours was like six months ago where you had to call the fire department. Yeah, it was when actually, I was eight. It yeah. Was, yeah, it was last summer. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but um, it must be a consistent thing with high performers is their their curiosity with combustibles with and flames. Because Trey Providence burned his family's house down. Oh jeez. Uh, <laughs> he actually burned it down in the same thing. Right? <laughs> really? About the same thing, yeah. That's crazy. So does it work? Can you pour water on top of gas? It lights. Yeah, it does. Thanks for hanging out with us today. This is Electric People. Take these principles and go be electric.